Once again, a very special welcome to you to Canterbury Gardens Community Church, uh, particularly if you're visiting us. Uh, it's a great privilege to have you here with us. Um, um, usually uh, at the start of the year is, you know, like New Year's resolutions. And so some of you might have not been to a church service for a long time for various reasons. Uh, we're really glad that you made the time to come this Sunday morning. We pray that you will continue to encounter Jesus, whether if it's uh, the songs that we've sung through the conversations that you have uh, during uh, or after the service. Uh, maybe you're someone who uh, usually at the start of the year is when you're looking for a new church home. As one of the pastors here, I'm just letting you know, we're not a perfect church. Um, there are people here who've been here for a long time. You can ask them. They'll let you know what our faults are. Um, but we are a church who believes in a perfect saviour. And we want to invite you in joining us in this journey of becoming more like Jesus. And uh, if that is you, and, and as John has already said, one of the best ways to connect is to be involved in a small group. There's various small groups that run in our church uh, led by various people. If you're a small group leader uh, and you are, see someone new, go and say hi to them. Uh, maybe encourage them to consider your small group. Uh, otherwise, Nathan, who's um, a really good-looking guy with a big black shirt, uh, he's here. He leads our small group ministry. He's up there in the back. Please go ahead and chat to him. He's, um, I think everyone's looking at Nathan, so you might as well wave for us. Uh, go ahead and have a chat to him. He'll uh, also be able to encourage you where you could plug in. Uh, last week, uh, Nathan started uh, sort of like a mini summer series. We called it Essentials. Um, and last week, we were reminded on this topic of grace. Uh, grace is something that we're familiar with, particularly if you've grown up in the Christian world. You kind of go, oh, I've heard about grace. And what we were challenged was to consider that it's not something that we either uh, um, assume, you know, it's Christian lingo, uh, neither do we just abuse it. That to understand grace in its fullness is to know that the work has been done. Jesus has done the work. And it is by grace that we're saved. It's not through our works. Not only that, grace is a reminder to you and I we can rest in that truth. And so it was a wonderful encouragement for us. And so this morning, as we consider, well, what is the essential for this morning to consider? Well, I have a question for you. As you consider the year, as you consider what's ahead of you in whatever season of life you're in, who will you trust this year? Whose understanding will you lean on in your life? So if you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn to Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 6 is where we're going to be spending most of our time in. If you don't have a Bible, please grab a physical copy here. Um, that's our gift to you. You can have it. You can keep it. You can draw all over it. That's fine. It's going to be up here on the screen as well. If you've never read the Bible before, just turn to the person next to you. I'm sure they'll be able to encourage you. If you have a Bible app, you'll be able to find Proverbs pretty easily. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 6. It's a very familiar verse, particularly if you've grown up in the Christian culture and Christian world. Here it is. This is God's word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Let us pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning to pause as we continue this time of worship. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to reveal more of the Son to us, both individually and as a corporate body. Jesus, I pray that you would be glorified this morning. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.
three things I want us to consider this morning. Uh, Firstly, I want us to consider who we trust. Secondly, I want us to consider why we trust. And then thirdly, how we trust. So who we trust, why we trust, and how we trust. What do I mean by who we trust? Uh, Now, I'm not sure what you're like with uh, following instructions. Um, So I'm... um, There's one of the greatest curses in this world is called the IKEA Furniture uh, sort of group, right? So IKEA Furniture will give you an instruction on how to put something together. Uh, Recently, um, a little while back, my beautiful wife and I had the great curse, I mean, joy, great, wonderful time together to build some IKEA furniture. Uh, Now, I was nervous for various reasons, um, and I think I took a photo of the instructions and put it up, and many of you prayed and fasted for us, and that's why we're still married. <clears throat> and we had a go at putting this furniture together. Now, in our marriage, my beautiful wife is married to someone, that's me, who looks at instructions and goes, well, kind of like recommendations. You know, we can figure this out. Why follow instructions? They're just suggestions, aren't they? Now, maybe some of us are wired a bit more that way, and you might go, yeah, they're just suggestions. And I think God in his providence has let me be in pastoral ministry because he knew if I was a builder, there would be nothing that would be standing. Now, I don't know how you view instructions given to you, but overall, instructions are good. Instructions are there for a purpose. They're actually there for our benefit, even if we might find them frustrating. See, in the verses that we have in front of us, there's a background. And it's good to know what the background is. And that background is in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. It's up here on the screen again. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So in the verses that we're going to be spending our time on, I want you to kind of get an idea, if you can just imagine, here is a father speaking to his son. Here's a father who's instructing his son. Now, one thing to keep in mind, when you read words like teaching or commands, depending on the translation that you have, it's easy for us to consider. Maybe what the father is saying to the son, firstly, is, hey, trust in the Lord, But listen, I've got a set of things I want you to follow. This is my philosophy of life. So son, listen to my instructions. But see, that's not what the father is doing. The father's instruction is not based on his sort of idea of what life should look like. And when we read words like teaching uh, in the first verse, it might be simple to consider maybe something like this. The dad's saying, hey, yes, son, you must trust the Lord. Point one. Now, I want you to consider, or don't forget the teachings that I have, and I'm going to unpack that for you. Actually, a better way to maybe read it is like this. Hey, son, the foundation of all your life, trust in the Lord. That is number one. Before you move on to a bunch of things that you might be considering, trust in the Lord. That's number one. And not only just trust in God as sort of a saying, but trust in God with all of your life. Or another way of saying all of your heart. Another way of saying is with all of your very being. Trust Him. But as the conversation goes, when He says, trust in the Lord, 
he says, do not forget my teaching. When he says, do not forget my teaching, another word that he actually is saying there is, do not forget the Torah. Now, if you know the Old Testament, if you've grown up in Christian circles, that language of Torah is the law, it's the commands of God. So what the father is saying to the son is, hey, my teachings, my instructions are not just a philosophy of life that I've come up with. They're actually things that have been passed down to me. These are commands that have been given to me. These are the teachings of God, the very word that has been passed down to me. I'm passing to you because I too, as your father, are under those commands. In other words, he's saying, hey, listen, these instructions are ultimately God's word. These words are also something I am called to trust. I also are to follow. So this is what's going on here. So when we think about the who, when you understand when we're talking about trusting, we're ultimately trusting who? We're trusting God. We're trusting His very Word. And the call here is to obey it, to follow it, to trust the teachings of God and His commands. Now, we're in a church service, and this is the moment where we might go, okay, great. Thanks for that. I know that as a Christian, I'm supposed to follow God's word. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm glad we came to Sunday morning service. But the question we ask, we need to ask is why? Why? Why should you trust God's word? Why should you trust the Lord? Well, see, when we think about instructions, once again, it really is going to be based on how you look at it, right? Some of us, instructions and God's word is this detailed account of how you do these things. And it's almost like if you do them, then these, uh, these things will happen. And it's almost like a fear thing. And, and we, we follow all the details. And, you know, eventually, as Nathan challenges last year, eventually you see, right, in history, in Bible history, people kind of gone into the details and put on things on top of people. Follow this, follow this, follow this. And that's why you follow God's the word, the Bible. Some of us go, well... Yeah, look, you know, it's in there, but it's probably more recommendations because it's cultural and you've got to consider those things and, you know, just recommendations. For some of us, the idea of God's Word instructions might be, hey, it's, it's there, I know, and I, I have signed up for it, I've said the prayer, I've got been baptized and all that kind of stuff, but it's more of a footnote, you know? Once in a while, it's like a reference I might go back to. Some of us... This idea of God's word and why we might trust might be because it's that fire extinguisher we pull out in moments of emergencies and life crisis uh, situations in our life. And there are those of us who think about the Bible or God's word instructions and go, yeah, the very words of life for me, Shabu. That's great. But the question I still have for you, why? Why would you trust these words? Do you remember this is a father speaking to his son, instructing him. And he's not saying, hey, listen, son, you must just trust the Bible. You must just trust the law. Rather, and you see this throughout this proverb, he keeps on saying, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. You see that king repeated throughout Proverbs. And he's not saying, hey, trust 
in God, and that means you must just trust in your actions, do these duties, just do it. The command that's given is trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. This is not just blind obedience. The call here is to trust God with all of your heart. And like I said, uh, this idea of heart, particularly in our Western culture, we might think it's a romantic kind of language. Oh, I love you with all of my heart. You know, you might sing all those songs. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying all of your heart is like all of your being. Physical, emotional, mental, all of your being. That's the language here. So this is why. And if you're someone who's exploring the Christian faith, you need to ask your friends who know God and who know the Bible, you need to ask them, hey, why do you go to church and why do you trust these things? And if they just say to you, hey, well, I don't know, I I guess I'm supposed to. Rather, I hope you would hear things like, I do this because of who it is about. It's based on someone's character. Christian friends, why do you trust God? And why should you trust Him? And the question is, if you do say you trust Him, do you trust Him with all of your being? With everything? I know you've done this, and I've done this numerous of times, and I've meant it, and maybe you've meant it too. You know, we sing songs of talking about all to Jesus, I surrender all to Him, I freely give. Or we might think about, no, I'm not going to hold anything back, Lord. Oh, it's all yours. And then the moment comes. Do you trust me? Do you trust me, Shabu? Do you trust me with all of your heart or just some of it? I think if we really tease this out and unpack it a bit more, I think of this idea of do we trust God with all of our heart or all of all being, I think at the end of the day what we end up doing is probably the temptation is to compartmentalize God. We might say... Okay, God, this is your zone, and I'll trust you with this. Okay, so this is the spiritual stuff. This is the major life decisions that I might have. Okay, so, so you know, if, if I have a crisis, I'm going to call you off the interchange bench. Come on in. Sub you in. You can help me out. Or maybe often what we end up doing is, as the Proverbs says, what we end up doing more often is leaning in our own understanding rather than God's understanding revealed in His Word. So these verses in here, a reminder to you, it depends on how we see God's instruction and who is writing these instructions in His very character. Well, these words are a reminder to you and I, our understanding of life and everything that we see should be through God and his very character. That you and I need to grow in being more God-reliant than self-reliant. See, to trust the Lord with all of your heart and not to lean in our understanding is ultimately stepping back and going, God, I trust you because of who you are, not just because you tell me to. It's based on your character. It's not just blind obedience or obedience for the sake of obedience because of who he is. And that clue is given to us in the first few verses of this chapter. His, his, his idea of who this God is. 
The Father says in verse 3, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. This language of steadfast love, this idea or this, this conversation that the father is having with his son is to say, hey, that steadfast love I'm talking about is God's love. It's the love that says, I will keep my promises. I will keep my covenant. I am the God who is gracious to you. This is why we trust him. Because of who God is. His very character. This is why we obey his commands and his word. Because of who he is. They're actually for our good. That's why God has them in front of us. His instructions are not recommendations. They're wonderful um, instructions to us from a father to his children to obey. But what he desires is not just blind obedience. is because what he desires is obedience out of relationship with him. Our love for him is the motivation. This is why we are called to trust him. This is why you and I are commanded not to lean in our own understanding. So friends, why do you trust God? Is it out of duty alone or is it out of worship to him? Is it kind of out of fear? You better do it and otherwise something's going to happen really bad. Or do you trust God like a genie? If I do this and do that and I say this, then you know all the blessings will flow out to me. There's a rapper by the name of Chance the Rapper and he wrote an album called Coloring Book and it was a very religious book. He comes from a very religious background, African-American religious background. And there's a song in there where he talks about blessings and he sings the line where he says, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. And as you unpack his little theology, I guess, what he's ultimately saying is, you know, if I say this and if I do this, I will get these material blessings from you, God. That's not what these passages are talking about. That's not how we should approach God. See, the words in front of us about trusting the Lord with all of your heart and lead not in your own understanding is a reminder to you and I. First, is based on this foundation. The reason why we're able to trust is because of who God is, His very character. Because His Word is something we can trust because He is the God who is steadfast in His love. He's the one who keeps His promises. This is why we trust. This is why you and I are commanded to trust God with not just some of our being, with all of our being. This is the God who is the steadfast God. This is the God who's given his commands for our good. And the reason why, why do we do it? Because of his character, because of who he is. This should compel us to obey. So, how do we trust? How do we trust God? Go read the Bible. Go home, read the Bible. If I ended on that sermon today just saying that, there's a problem. It's not as simple as that, friends. It's not about just going and doing it. Reminded of that last week, it's about grace and resting in someone's work. How do we trust? How do we do this? What does this look like? Well, see, the good news of the story of the Bible is this. When the first humans were created, Adam and Eve, creating God's image, perfect, 
as a son and daughter, as his children, they listen to a lie. The first enemy says, uh, Satan says and tells them a lie. And ultimately what they end up doing is not trusting God. And they sin and rebel against God. They sin and rebel against God's fatherly instructions. And the consequences in all of life, which has corrupted all of you and me, is this. Our default mode is ultimately to lean into our own understanding rather than God's understanding. That's our default mode. That God is so gracious, as we learned last week, that He sends His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God is a God who is the steadfast God, the loving God who keeps His promises, sends His Son, Jesus, the perfect Son, the one who enters this world, the one who trusted his father all the way to the cross, the one who obeys his father's instructions perfectly, the one where the law, in a sense, was written in his heart, the one who yelled and said, Father, not my will be done, but yours be done, the one who followed the instructions of the Father perfectly and did not lean in his own understanding, the one on your behalf and my behalf pays the price. This is the good news. And that means if you and I put our trust in him, not only do we get eternal life, we're adopted. We are now a son, a daughter. So back in the day, unlike those in the son in Proverbs, uh, you will see that this idea of being commanded to put symbols on their hand and head. And if you know any Orthodox Jew friends, you will see that. You'll see them wrapping their things and they'll have this on their forehead. It's a reminder that the Torah, the law, they should be keeping close to them. But did you pick the words that are here in chapter 3? The tablet of where? The tablet of your heart. This idea is so unpacked beautifully for us in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 to 18. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he was perfected for all time those who were being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them for those days. I will declare the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Friends, this is where we stand. This is the wonderful truth and story of the Bible. That if you know Christ as your Savior, it's as though through his Spirit, he's tattooed his law into your heart and minds through his spirit. So this means that I'm not saying, hey, you throw out the Bible. Definitely not. The Bible, in some sense, has even more fuller meaning in that. The Bible is not just a religious book. There are other religions that have that, who have all these commands of do's and don'ts. The Bible is a reminder to you and I that as we open His Word, as we meditate on His Word, to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, as we listen to His instructions, is as though the Spirit of God is making these words come alive and we're hearing the audible voice of God speaking to us as He speaks to us. 
as he rebukes us, as he instructs us, as he comforts us, encourages us, as the Holy Spirit opens these words. Last year I had the privilege to meet with someone who were going through various challenges in their life and they were sharing about where their faith journey was at. They shared about how uh, they knew all the lingo and they knew about the Christian stuff and they talked about how they went to you know, Sunday school, went to a Christian school, they went to a youth group and they knew all the stuff. And they just walked away. And for various reasons, they went through various challenges in their life. As I met with them, I was talking about how, hey, you need to spend some time in God's Word. And I gave them, you know, the verses that you do when you're doing evangelism. And they were like, oh, yeah, okay, no worries. And they just left it. Well, I had the great privilege to meet with them a couple of weeks ago. And they said, Shabu, something's happened. You know those verses that you told me? Well, guess what? I didn't really care for it. But then... I went back recently for various reasons. It made sense. It clicked. Now, that's not me. It's the Spirit of God invading into their hearts and minds through His Word and making the instructions of God bring life. That they're being challenged not to lean in their own understanding, but to trust God. Friends, trust the Lord with all of your heart not just some of it. And friends, if you do not know this Jesus, we are calling out to you. You can keep living your life as though you're trusting yourself. It would lead to nowhere. There is someone who offers something much greater, far better. He did this on the cross for you, and he's calling you to trust him first, to not lean in your own understanding, and he promises to be with you. And if you're a follower of Christ, well, be encouraged, friends. You and I have this wonderful gift that we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Our God is not some distant God far away who's barked down a bunch of rules and regulations we ought to give and we better keep the line. Rather, our God is the one who has adopted us into his family and now we are his sons and daughters. And as a loving father... He will instruct us first to put our trust in His perfect Son who's done it on your behalf and mine, then in faith to trust Him in His very character and not to lean in our own understanding and thinking, rather to lean on the One who's gone before you and I, the One who has made the path straight for us to know the Creator of the universe. So whether you're in this season a moment of clarity or maybe in moments of unsureness, know this, you can trust a God who has sent His Son, who has made the path straight to rest in Jesus and His finished work. So what does that mean? I'm not sure if you're a planner as you consider the year. What goals and hopes do you have? Or another way to put it, is who or what are you leaning on or trusting in who or what are you finding your security in this year? At home, at work, at school? Maybe it's that job you're banking yourself on to get that quote. Who are you trusting in? Whose understanding are you leaning on? At uni, the relationships that you have? And maybe even last yesterday as we met an eldership team in ministry goals. Who are we trusting in? Whose understanding are we leaning on? 
Or maybe if you're someone who has the great privilege to speak into the lives of people and you love speaking to them and encouraging them through his word, can I just encourage you, don't just say, read the Bible. Point them to the one who is the author of the Bible. Explain to them the character of who God is. Then they'll understand that the instructions are God's loving instructions to them. So who will we trust? See, the author here is saying ultimately, hey, don't lean on false securities. Rather, lean on God and his commands. And these commands are commands to obey them because God has loving authority in your life if you are a follower of his. And if you're someone who's feeling frustrated, you've got all these plans and things and they're not working out, maybe you haven't really brought them before the Lord. Maybe you just bring them before him first and ask him, God, is this you? Am I trusting you with this or am I leaning in my own understanding? So who do we trust? We trust the one who is a steadfast, loving, covenant-keeping God. Why do we trust? Because of who he is, his very character. And that's beautifully displayed in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we trust? We keep looking to this perfect son and resting in his finished work. As we live for him, leaning not in our own understanding, but on his understanding, asking the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Let me pray. Lord God, we come before your throne of grace this morning. We pray that we'll be a people who will essentially live truths of great lives of grace, resting in that grace, but also that we will not lean in our own understanding and our own instructions, but rather than yours. We thank you that you are a great, steadfast God. You beautifully displayed that to us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect one, who on our behalf paid the price. And now, as your children, for those of us who know us, we are so blessed because we have your Holy Spirit. Keep writing your law into our hearts and minds so we live for you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.